0: From the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland, you're listening to the award winning What's the Story podcast. Now,
1: here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello, and welcome along to chapter 33. Did I say that right?
0: 33. Trucker 3. <laughs>
1: of what's the story podcast my name is danny murray and his name is graham merrill Woo! how are you great danny brilliant love it love it enjoyed this enjoyed this chapter yeah this this is a bit of a different one um we'll we'll give you a full breakdown of everything now but before we do that we need to let you know that we're brought to you in association by the wonderful and beautiful Fitzpatrick's castle hotel in cliney south dublin beautiful dublin beautiful ireland best county in all of Ireland best best county in the world Um, lads February's nearly over so you're running out of time to take advantage of a great offer if you book your party in the dungeon bar free complimentary finger food for you and your guests get on it great people Graham yeah we're on the, the doorstep of a general election yeah uh uh, a rare phenomenon in in Irish world. And by rare phenomena, I mean it has to happen at least once every five years. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not really that rare at all, is I it? Love Alton. I love I love the election time. I've become a little bit of a geek for it. And this chapter of What's the Story podcast is uh, to help you, the listener, especially those in the Dunleary area, to form an educated opinion on some of your candidates. So to give you an idea of what's happened, um, we reached out to... Not all, but most, and um, the candidates over the Dunleary constituency. All the major parties were contacted. Um, most of the candidates were contacted. Some candidates never got back to us, and um, some candidates got back to us and said that they wouldn't do it. And thankfully, and um, so that we can actually have this chapter, <laughs> yeah. three candidates did. <laughs> so you will be able to hear from Shane O'Brien of Sinn Féin, Cormac Devlin of Fianna Fáil, and from Renew Ireland frank cronin so to kind of give you an idea of what's what we did contact a labour party candidate which is carrie smith she was unable to do it she we
0: did contact two Fine Gael, Fine Gael candidates maria bailey and mary mitchell o'connor
1: um, maria bailey didn't get back to us and mary mitchell o'connor and um, did reply well her her i presume her secretary or her yeah. assistant uh, uh, replied and gave us a contact number to contact which uh, was out of service
0: um Carrie Smith. Too busy. Replied, Plinch, but too busy. Just couldn't agree a time. It's just too busy. Too busy. Which um, okay. we it didn't isn't. reach out to the independent candidate.
1: Carl Hunt. Which uh, yeah,
0: apologies, Carl. Um and we didn't reach out to
1: Oshin. Us Ush Is it ocean I think it's
0: O S S A I N.
1: I think that's a weird way of spelling USHIN.
0: Okay. Well that guy.
1: From the Green Party. Is um, it the Green Party? I thought I he was independent as well. Sorry. No, I think he's part of the hippies. I mean, Greens. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I suppose. We,
0: we, we just wanted to get the main parties. I was going to say, what we, we were, were trying like to. RTA.
1: Yeah, what we were <laughs> trying to do was we were trying to narrow the field down. Look, I'm not saying this to be bad to the other candidates. So I'm not saying that they can't offer anything that others can, but we have to be realistic about the Dunleary constituency in the sense that it's a four seater constituency. However, Sean Barrett, as Keon Carla, is entitled. To have his seat in the 32nd Doll without having to stand election because he was Kim Kyorla. So that's one seat gone. Then you have to look at it and you have to say, okay, so it's a four seater, it's technically down to a three seater, there's 117,000 odd people going to vote in this constituency. Mary Mitchell O'Connor is pretty much guaranteed her seat back. Whether we like it or not, that's that's up to you.
0: That's up to the voters.
1: But she is more or less guaranteed her seat back. Then you have it's to look probably at it.
0: At say the same. Judging by Paddy Power that Richard Boyd Barrett is probably...
1: I was going to a say... ...a in as well. I was going to say, the next person who was favourite to retain their seat, or to get a seat, but retain, obviously, being the apt word, would be Richard Boyd Barrett, who we didn't feel the need to invite on this time around because we had had Richard Boyd Barrett on previously, so...
0: And he gave us a taste of some of his um, kind of policies before. Yeah, he, he so. let us know what he was
1: about, like... yeah. Um, at that stage, obviously, the general election hadn't been called. Plus, I was talking to Richie, he doesn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Graham's a friend of Richard. We feel, mm. in the interest of fairness, we need to. You'd be a, a friend, supporter. Yeah, hey,
0: I'm voting, Richie, in the story.
1: There you go. Um, I
0: knew who I we would voting before we decided to put this out, so. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not shy about that.
1: Absolutely. And look, in the interest of fairness, I don't see there's any, any real deal. Like, we're not. Or is he just the other beauty of it? We're not RTE, we're not Today FM, we're not News Talk, we're not TV3, we are not, for want of a better way of putting this, we don't have to play ball to the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland's rules and regulations pertaining to fairness and unbiased coverage of a general election.
0: We can do what the hell we want.
1: We're (laughs) on, we're on tinternet. And therefore, we have a license to martyrs, so long as we're not defaming anybody and we're not being slanderous of anybody we we can say things that maybe other people can't we don't have to give as much time to one candidate as we do the other we don't have to be fair and balanced in terms of you know we gave this person a chance to talk about this but we didn't give this person a chance to 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 reply to that um in the like in the interest of being decent folk i think we've tried to do as much of that as we can yeah but in terms of expressing our personal opinion on who we want to vote for and that kind of thing we can do so
0: but you can't because you're undecided.
1: I am undecided. Even after speaking to a number of candidates in this process, I'm still undecided. So
0: Well, I'm, I'm up in the air. Well, no, I'm not really up in the air, but I will be voting for Sinn Féin and People Before Profit
1: in our area. Okay, so um, you they've done enough to win you over. They've done enough to win me over. Um, I remain unconvinced by both. Yeah, well,
0: they've done enough for me. Um, I... I think I will be only voting one or two. One and two. I think I'll be leaving the rest blank. Okay. Um. Can you tell me... Yeah. Like,
1: if I vote... If I if I vote you number one... Yeah, which you should do. Vote Annie Murray number one. And if I vote me number two... Vote Graham American number two. Or give him my... Tr- you know what, what? What happens there, okay? So, like... I can get your transfers... Yeah, so it's a system that's called proportional representation. So what that means is that when you go into your ballot box, you'll get a sheet of paper with all the candidates on it, and essentially you number them in preference of who you would want to see elected first. So in Britain, they have a first-past-the-post system, but over here we don't, so it's different. So what will happen is, let's just say that the quota to get elected is 10,000 votes. Do we know what the quota is? We won't until the, the, Today. the, the, the day. Because, oh, the tally. Yeah, I think it goes down to, to like voter turnout, that kind of thing, sure. et cetera et etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, let's just say, for the sake of argument, I think in the last election, I think it was actually like 11,900. But let's just say, for the sake of it, it's 10,000. Alright? That would mean I, I get 12,000. I mean, I would have 2,000 transfers available. Which could then, if you are number two, be given to you. And so on and so forth down the line. So then if you get elected then, so let's say you have eight thousand seven hundred first preferences, and then you get my two thousand second preferences, so that puts you over your surplus then goes down the line to the number threes, the number fours, the number fives, and so on until all the seats are filled. So in this case, four seats, but technically only three because Sean Barrett's came Carla and he doesn't have to stand election. So in the last general election Eamon Gilmore got returned first in the Dunleary constituency. His surplus was Jemmer Dividoo. I think it was Mary Mitchell O'Connor was the next in. Um, then it was Sean Barrett, I think. Or Sean Barrett and Mary Mitchell O'Connor might have been the other way around. Yeah. But either way, it's and, and then it went down I think it was to. Mary
0: Mitchell's O'Connor's first
1: candidacy. I, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I seem to remember that. Um, and then it went down to for the fourth seat. Um, which was basically a head-to-head between Richard Boyd Barrett, of People for a Profit, and Ivana Bacic, of Labour. Labour. And there was a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but there was certainly... um, Yeah, she wanted a recount. I think there was demands of a recount, there was issues, but then eventually she conceded. Richard Boyd Barrett got in on the fourth count on the process of everybody else had been eliminated. He didn't actually reach the quota. So that can happen also. So if it comes down to the last seat and all other candidates have been eliminated, but you haven't hit the quota... If you've got the most, out, if you're, effectively if you're the last person standing, you get in that way.
0: Do you think um, the bookies' odds would suggest? And just I'm just asking about Richard w. Barrett here, because he. The reason I ask as well is because he was so he, he narrowly got in the last time. Do you think it's a testament, possibly, to his work done over the last five years
1: that he's now a, a, a favourite at one to seven? I. Well, he's not Mary Mitchell O'Connor. favourite at 1-14. Oh, she? is fourteen to one on. Well, then.
0: we're a Fingal Fingal uh, stronghold, really, isn't it? Yeah,
1: historically, this this county has been or this constituency rather has been Fingal stronghold, along with a little bit of Fingal fall. Um, since it was started in nineteen forty eight, so the thirteenth doll, one year before we officially became a republic, um, and it's been going ever since. There has been border recommissions, and there's been constituency redrawns and that kind of thing so that the number of voters in the area has Increased. fluctuated gone yeah. up and down from time to time it's gone from four seater to a five seater and back to a four seater again but you've always had a consistent in the sense of you've always had a Fianna Gale or you've always had like you had the Andrews family who mm. almost had a Monopoly so you had uh, uh, Barry, Barry and Andrews David. and David Andrews David Andrews for who was to Dave
0: to McSavage's brother and father there you go comedian um, the okay. savage Joy.
1: there you go um, so you had the Andrews family, who I think was it over 30 years, they held a seat in this constituency, which is phenomenal when you think about it, but it also asks the question of, you know, nepotism within Irish politics. But that's a completely different battle. That's not what we're here to talk about. Mm. Um, so. He's one to seven. He's one to seven, um, and I think. I wouldn't like to, to, to almost insult him by saying it's just over the last five years. I think I'm fair and uh, look, I, I openly admit it and I said it when we had Richard Boy Barrett on, I didn't vote for him at all in the last time. You told him in now. his face. <laughs> I think, well, look, I'm going to be open and honest about it. I didn't vote for him at all in the last time. Um, I I wouldn't like to say it's just over the last five years he's done a lot of work yeah. to carve himself out. I think what he's done very well is he's carved out a niche within this area that he's got this core support that are I, I don't know trying to, to try and describe I suppose we're almost like football fans in the sense that they actually support him yeah do you know what I mean that, like,
0: that is a very fair and it's a good good yeah he, he
1: does have this core analogy su- is that the word analogy it's yeah. a good he, analogy he has this core support that you don't see with some of the other politicians in this area in the sense that the people who are behind him are passionate about being behind him which I think is a very hard thing to do so the fact that he has, politics has yeah, so the fact that he has that would certainly lead me to believe that he rightfully is odds-on to retain his seat, which means of the four seats, we're down to one left. Yeah. And that one then is to be fought out between Frank Cronin of Renua, Shane O'Brien of Sinn Féin, uh, Maria Can- Bailey of Fine Gael,
0: Carol Hunt.
1: Carol Hunt the Independent, Cormac Devlin of Fianna Fall, Mary Hannifin, former minister and TD of Fianna Fáil, you know, uh, O'Shea Who we actually in. didn't reach out to. Uh, no, we didn't because we got Cormac Devlin instead and I wasn't bringing two Fianna Fallers on. Yeah, Same way I wouldn't bring two Fianna Gallers on, I wouldn't bring... what no, we one asked Maria and Mary Mitchell, Connor. Well, that's because uh, Mary Mitchell couldn't do it.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: You know. I get you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, the outgoing government parties are... Not represented at all in this podcast because they, they didn't come on. And I'm not I'm not trying to say that in a kind of, like, they didn't come on, how dare they. Yeah. I'm saying it in a kind of, look, it's election time. They're very, very busy. They may not just generally have had, you know, and uh, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit. We're recording the evening time, which may be a time that they seem more valuable to be out on the doorsteps. Yeah. We don't know. Like... Look, they have their reasons.
0: Like the evening we interviewed Frank Cronin, where he left us and went straight out to a canvas.
1: Straight out canvas, and again, that's that's mm. the type of man he is. He said, "Look, lads, I'd love to stay and have a longer chat with us, but I got to get out there, and I got to, you know, meet people and hear what they want in this area." I think so, it's
0: interesting to note as well. We didn't want to use when interviewing the the three candidates. We didn't want to use the Vincent Brown or Pat Kenny style. We still wanted to stick to where sit down at the pub type of chat. But y- yeah. we did
1: ask. Yeah, we tried to ask,
0: you know... We did ask the the, the questions that yeah. we felt
1: were, were worth asking.
0: I I was disappointed in myself that I, I missed out on some.
1: I am, I am, in the but sense the that... But the
0: time just flew by.
1: Yeah, it did. Like we, Essentially, we've given an hour to each candidate. So the way that... You're going to hear this intro no matter which one you're listening to. So if you listen to all three, you can fast-forward the intro, essentially. But we're going to basically release the three candidates at once. This intro will be uniform to all of them. But obviously, the candidates speaking then would be different. We've tried to ask pretty much the same questions, but on some candidates, a very different way. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you will know that myself and Graham in particular are quite fond of if a tangent comes along jumping <laughs> on board and going with it. <laughs> so, you know, we try to be fair. We try to be open. We try to be as relaxed as possible while asking questions that we think people would want to hear. The whole idea of this one, because we're, we're not a political podcast and I don't claim to be a political expert in any way shape or form I do that's fine <laughs> what, what we were trying to do <laughs> was to give people an idea of why they should because look even if they aren't on the doorsteps you don't always see a poli- you don't always hear from a politician like you mightn't be in when they call to your door so while you get is a leaflet in the door you know what I mean so what we're trying to do was to give you a chance to learn about a candidate in a way that isn't just on you know Vincent Brown or Sean O'Rourke or Pat Kenny or, or Ray Darcy or whatever the case may be. This is just, look, why should we vote you? That, like Literally, one of the questions we asked on every single candidate is, why should a number one be put beside your name?
0: Did, did, uh, when we haven't finished the interviews, yeah.
1: are you still undecided? Very much so. Yeah. I think I have more questions than answers, if I'm being perfectly honest about it. Yeah. Um, they were all lovely people. Yeah. as people they're all lovely but rather I agree with their policies or rather i agree with their ideas i'm not so sure and that's up to me now over the next few days to decide who am i going because i am going to vote yeah. I, I do see it as uh, not so much a duty but i do think look you have a vote use it um even if you are disillusioned use your vote make it count because if you don't then when it comes to the next five years and you want to have a wing and a moan, you've done nothing to influence that. All you're doing is cribbing. Yeah. Use your vote. So
0: um, I was talking to a few people um, in work, and I was asking where they're voting, but yeah, a couple of them are saying they're not registered. And it's too late now. I know it's too late, but my point, the, w- the reason I bring it up is that the hassle to get registered is crazy. Like it's not that much hassle. You need to go to the guard station, you
1: to go to the yeah. council, you need to get a stamp. That's, you don't have to go to the guard station not the council.
0: I thought you had to go to the one someone told me in work that you had to get the form from the guard station the stamp and then bring it to the council
1: no you can post it I only know because I went through this with my girlfriend before the, the, the same sex referendum last year
0: ok so tell us where, the
1: procedure well essentially what we do we went to the post office got the form filled it in brought it the guards got a stamp put it in the post and she was registered unchecked uh, Yeah, surely it could be something easier though how, why do you like, need to get a guard stamp same reason you have to get your passport stamped by a guard why? To verify who no, you are. No, I know, but... But so you suggesting there should be an online system where any Tom, Dick or Harry can go in and then it leaves it no, out No, but the you've got your action. PPS number. Okay.
0: So why don't you just register with your PPS number?
1: Okay, and how would you do that? Online? Yeah. So what if I got somebody else's PPS number? I suppose so. You know what I mean? Don't be attacking me. I'm no, only I'm, bringing it up. No, I'm just saying. I'm only bringing it up
0: because I never had to register. I was yeah. Automatically, my polling card was sent out. Which so is, I didn't
1: know. And I think that is the one actually through PPS numbers, funnily enough. I, I think di- that automated one, but.
0: I didn't, that was over 10 years ago. Yeah. I didn't know the procedure for registering. I was just asking people over, oh, lunch not you, are you voting? Yeah. And they said, no, I, I, I still have
1: to register. I don't know. I think some and people. I just, they told me and I was like, geez, that sounds like a rigmarole. I don't know, and I'm not saying this is the case for for the people you're talking to, but I think some people like to make mountains out of molehills, and I think they like to make what is a fairly straightforward process. A bit like when I moaned to you about having to edit this podcast straightforward process mm-hmm. but I like to have a moan about it so that it seems like it's a lot more than it is <laughs> and therefore I have to justify putting so much touch you know what I mean Yeah, I think that might play a part in it but um, are you going to apologise about attacking me there no I'm not going to apologise about attacking you there was a tone in your voice there which I didn't find acceptable that's alright you don't have to find it acceptable yeah, but the tone, just the tone is there like, just you know it's alright are we going to air our dirty laundry on this <laughs> podcast is that how it's going I don't know <laughs> Um but like yeah, no, if if there was a town I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it was more so I just I I don't know, I just get frustrated when people presume things are more difficult than they are without actually I d- I just
0: thought when they described it to me I was thinking like if I want to if I want to apply for any tax or whatever like that you just yeah. give your PBS number you know and it's it's given to you and
1: yeah but it's a different it's
0: a different kettle of
1: fish, isn't it? I don't understand that phrase. I like, sorry, this is completely off topic, but what, what exactly is a kettle of fish and why is it different to other kettles of fish and why do people compare things in kettle of fish? Paddy Flynn loves all those sayings because yeah. he doesn't know what they mean. I don't know. Like, I've heard that. It's not just me that says that. I've heard that saying so many times, but I've absolutely no idea what it's like. A kettle of fish. Are fish measured in kettles? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's a school of fish, isn't it? So, a different school of fish. I don't know. Put that one? Gone off on a tangent there. Sorry. Um... So it's not that hard to register? It's not. Register in time. It's not. Look, there's going to be other... What about if you've
0: moved house and you need to get your polling card to the new address? Is that that happening?
1: No, you can just update it online there. That's a different story altogether as far as I know. Now, I haven't... I I don't know because I've never had to do it. I've always been in this constituency. But uh, either way, if it's a case that your polling card, if you haven't updated your details, you're still entitled to vote in, in the other constituency. So, for example, if you live in Wicklow but you are registered in Dunleary, yeah it's not like you lose here vote, just you have to vote in Dunleary yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. so you know brock um, that's
0: bro- brock's after he's moving he's after moving the Greystones. so he, there's he an never, example yeah. he never changed yeah. the house so he has to go to
1: um vote up in here, up that's here in it. but i suppose to get back onto kind of this constituency of Dunleary, and i suppose i know unconscious the fact there's people who are listening who aren't from they don't really can stay see, but... Like our South
0: Korean listeners. Like our
1: South... Shout out to the lads. <laughs> 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 I must learn some South Korean yeah, words yeah. now. Like, if, if there are Russian listeners...
0: Someone suggested that we f- seek out the South Korean listeners and have them on as a
1: guest. on a Skype. Yeah, alright, I'm up for that. Why not? Like, imagine... Oh my God, <laughs> imagine it turned out it was Soy and we all just done Gangnam Style. <laughs> can you imagine that? Have I just completely stereotyped all Koreans? Yeah, yeah, big time. On a political broadcast. I'd like to distance <laughs> any of our guests from what I have just said. That's just my small, small brain not being able to process the global size of the globe. That doesn't even make sense either. No. Back to Dunleary, which I do know about. <laughs> I know not everybody listening is from this constituency. But we've tried to do it in a way that it touches. We, we look, every, everything that we do on this podcast, we try to give a little bit of belly bracket to the world. Because me and Graham are from the BRAC and we love the BRAC. And the BRAC is part of the Lunarian constituency and the Borough. I love try more than you do. Okay. <laughs> what are you about? Fair enough. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I love the people more than I love you. <laughs> One nil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can love the Brack, but it's the people that matter. Beat that. I should have been a politician.
0: <laughs> you should have been.
1: Um, so we try to bring a little bit of that community to a wide-scale audience and what we've done is we've asked the the, the the candidates to give what their party nationwide represents to try and broaden the horizons a little bit for people but to give you an no idea of Dunleary as we said it's traditionally a Fianna Gael Fianna Fáil constituency since the 80s then democratic left kind of edged their way in with Gilmore and co that turned into Labour and Labour have had a seat but I generally don't think Labour are going to retain their seat this time no, around no I don't think so Sinn Féin have never held a seat in this constituency. Yeah. Ever. In the history of this constituency, they've never, ever, ever held a seat. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to change this time around. It's be facing, very hard based on history, yeah. I was going to say, facing it, like, in truth, they're battling for one seat. And history isn't on their side with this one. No. So, I don't, like, look, I wish all, all the candidates well. But this is just me speculating. Yeah. So, but, um, look, enough waffling out of you and I. Shall we just let them hear from the people who matter? Yeah. You're listening to What's the Story Podcast. General election special 2016. Get out there on polling day. Put a number beside the candidate that you want. Make it happen. Vote or die. (laughs) Remember that campaign? Vote or die. What was that again? Was that Barack Obama 2008? Was it? I think our remember. I remember Jay Z and all going, vote or
0: die. Oh, I do remember. Yeah, 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 yeah they had a big concert and all
1: they did it's very dramatic in yeah. truth lads if you don't vote like god it's the gonna The Rock happen. got involved Rock your vote that's right yeah, yeah. man Where The is Rock poli- what a man where's politics is lacking in some serious person imagine The rock, rock Dwayne Johnson yeah imagine <laughs> The Rock coming over here and just walking into the doll and just being like yeah come on It'd be if, deadly, if you smell it? what Ender Kenny's cooking or something <laughs> do you know what I mean like <laughs>
0: deadly wouldn't it he can't the last couple of weeks we can't go a week without mentioning any wrestling that's true we're mad for wrestling
1: anyway look lads um as i said this intro is the same for all the candidates so you can skip this essentially skip to the 25 minute point and you'll hear from the candidate so look listen to it the first time though yeah (laughs) so once you've listened to this intro once you don't listen to it again you can just skip to the 25 minute mark and that's where the candidates kick in. And that's where you'll be able to educate yourself on whether you want to vote for them or you don't. Simple as that. But anyway, look, thanks for listening. Um, enjoy the candidates. So we've been joined by Shane Féin councillor for the Dunleary constituency and candidate in uh, general election 2016, Shane O'Brien. Shane, thanks very much for taking time out of your campaign to sit
2: down with us. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to join you here tonight, Danny. Grant.
1: We're, we're delighted to have you. Um, as, as we've mentioned before, we have extended the invite to all the candidates. Shane uh, was the first to reply and first to accept, so you are fresh no, off no, the no, mark no, with yeah, that. You're well, well, yeah.
2: welcome, and he, it's a pleasure to do it. I've listened to the podcast you've done before, so it's oh, uh, brilliant. It's, it's
0: an yes, come on, lads. We're a fan, <laughs> 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 we have a fan.
1: <laughs> um, so look, we'll, we'll, we'll start talking about everything to do with the election first, but. Before we get on to that, I suppose, t- tell us a little bit about yourself anyway. You're from Ballybrack originally.
2: I am, yeah. I'm from uh, even I suppose. I'm 30 years of age, uh, and it's my first general election. Um, I'm a councillor for, I know you said the Dunleary constituency, but I'll have people in Clowney Shankill go mad. But I'm a <laughs> councillor for the Clowney Shankill area. Okay. I was elected in uh, 2014. And I was the first Sinn Féin uh, elected representative in, in the Dunleary area for... For almost 95 years, so yeah. it was obviously a massive, massive change, uh, and to almost top the poll, you know, only 80 votes off top topping the poll, was a, a real seismic shift in, in people's uh, attitude towards Sinn Féin, and I suppose it came on the back of a, a lot of kind of community work and a lot of activism from myself and other members in the area for a prolonged period of time, you know, so.
0: When did you decide to get into politics because that was your first yeah it was your first take like that was your first uh, campaign yeah it was to get into the council uh,
2: you know what i i'm trying i've been asked that question and like was there a eureka moment or you know something that just forced me to change and I, I suppose it was after the last general election you know i kind of true family had been involved in politics or you know it's campaigned on certain things or helped out you know, people with it. You know, delivering a few leaflets and doing a little bit of you know. All for Sinn Fein, or. just uh, for Sinn Fein, or for certain issues, if it was like anti-war, or you know, in and around different issues. Um, and I it was really after the last general election. Um, I come back from travelling. I've done around a world trip with m- myself and my girlfriend. Um, and I, I kind of learned a lot when I was away and and I learned even a lot of more about Ireland while I was away, you know that kind of way when you take yourself out of a place and you actually get to look look back on it and I was reading the news and seeing what was happening and it was obviously a very horrible and very hard time for people in around 2011, there was a lot of people losing their jobs, a lot of people being forced into immigration um, and it seemed to me that the ones that caused the economic collapse and the crisis, you know, across all our society we're just walking away into the sunset so you know and that's when I said like, you know I have to do something yeah and I was saying to people that I knew that were in Sinn Féin that Sinn Féin should be doing x y and z and Sinn Féin should do this and do that you were telling them I was telling them suggestions? suggestions and someone kind of said to me well why aren't you doing it and then that's where it kind of led me to join Sinn Féin, and we restarted a, a common or a branch in in the Ballybrack area, myself and three or three or four other people. Yeah. And it's just grown from then there, and now we have, you know, about ninety plus members in the area, and we engage in a lot of political activity and community activity, and that's what kind of led me here, I suppose, so to this general election.
1: So you kind of. I wouldn't say a latecomer to politics but hmm. it wasn't the case because I suppose the tra- traditional route for some people would be they're you know, they're slightly involved through family and then when they go off hmm. to college or university to join one of the you know, like young Fine Gael, yeah, or, yeah. or come on the ban or whatever the case yeah. may be. But for yourself it was more so shaped by an opinion that you kinda of formed while you were abroad and that seemed to have given you a, yeah, yeah. a sphere of consciousness. Yeah, like.
2: yeah, in some in some ways. And when I came back though from, from being abroad, um I'd been out of work, and I was finding it very, very hard to get a job, um, and I was struggling, you know, like most people were, um, just to even get up in the morning, you know, that kind of way, and give yourself a purpose, and I was very lucky, I got a, a you know, a great chance given to me in getting an allotment up in the community garden project in Shangana, and that gave me a real purpose and something just to you know, put my time into, and that kind of developed into getting involved and starting up the men's sheds in Lachlanstown. And then from that I met other people and we got involved in a group called Suicide Aware and did a bit, you know, a lot of fundraising and raising awareness around mental health and suicide. And it was kind of when I was involved in all these organisations, I was seeing, you know, how much devastation there was there and what kind of stories, Mm. you know, lied behind people's front doors, that I kind of, that's when I was saying, you know, something has to happen. And especially then with the troika arriving into Ireland and with the new government doing exactly like in my opinion, as the last government had done and just carried on with the same mantra and the same agreement and the same set of politics, you know. I just said something had to change and I had to change, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so obviously then, uh, and sorry, thanks for correcting me, you you (laughs) put in as a councillor for the Clooney and uh, like obviously this constituency, the entire constituency of Dunleary for the general election. Yeah. You've grew up in this constituency. Yeah. So... Well, give us an idea then of, of what you found, or, or what you thought of you know Ballybrack, the wider border, um, that kind of thing when you were growing up, like because
2: I, yeah yeah I t- thought it was a great area to be honest with you, <clears throat> and I would have known Graham growing up we have many uh, skirmishes and <laughs> and and good times you know. Uh, Things such as football and roller hockey and even <laughs> women. I think, you know, we, 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 had good ti- we had good times, you know, growing up. A lot up, of times episodes. Yeah, <laughs> but, but growing, growing up in, in Ballyrack was, I think, it was a great place to be a young person. Um, I it had its social issues, but there was a great community spirit. Uh, I went to school in Glassdale and Harold. My family, a lot of family would be from Glassdale. My dad's side and my mother's side more so from Monkstown and Monkstown Farm. Yeah. And, then you know, well my mother was at work, I would have stayed with my grandmother and Rory O'Connor. I know, I know a lot of people in around Monkstown as well. And then went on to go to school in CBC in Monkstown. Yeah. Um, but that kind of came more so because most of my friends were from Harold going on to CBC. And that's why I chose there. And I also played rugby at the time. And it was kind of just, it was just something that happened. You know what I mean? And after afterwards, I suppose, I went to college in UCD. Yeah, uh, Didn't last too long. Wasn't for me. Did business in IADT for two years and then decided to get working. and I think this is a great area. I think Dunleary is, you know, from traveling the world and I've been, you know, to every nearly every continent, probably except for Africa, and and seen a lot of what the world has to offer. I think this is one of the world's most beautiful places. Um, I know the saying they say for about Dunleary, from the mountains to the sea, and we are we've got a you know great geography and top you know mountains to you know for walking and for getting out of the city and beaches and swimming areas and we just got a great i think we're a great people uh here in dunleary and a lot of people kind of have a mindset as well when they look at dunleary that we're all um well off that yeah. we're all uh wealthy that we're all you know don't believe or have a social conscience and i just don't think that's true because across from buddhistown to Bray to doggy Kaline, there's community groups doing great work every single day. I, mm. think, I think it's a great right place.
1: It It is a constituency, you know, that
2: traditionally will be considered one of the
1: more affluent constituencies. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of the areas... Like, well, obviously, myself and Graham, we, we say it every yeah. podcast, we're Ballybrack, and yeah. we're proud, and come on, to Brack, with lads. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there will be a lot of areas that will be certainly considered, like, I mean, Clooney, well, well, it, it Fox, is an Rock. affluent
2: local authority. Yeah. It's actually the third most affluent local authority anywhere on the island. So anywhere in the 32 counties, it's the third most affluent count, uh, county. Mm. And the fact that it, the third most affluent county does have... Disadvantage and this, you know, disadvantaged areas and unemployment black spots and social, yeah. you know, issues. Not not just in Ballybrack, you know, but they're they're spotted right throughout the county. That's a shame, and that shouldn't happen. And in a wealthy area, if the wealth was actually distributed fairly, it shouldn't happen. Um, and that's something I would like to see, and something why I'm running for the election because I believe we are up. We're all in this together. So, Have, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just gonna say no. If you're gonna if you You can ask a question if it's a lead-on, because mine isn't a lead-on. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it is. Okay, go ahead. It's great that we get to
1: edit this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. With with that said, obviously, there's a clear contrast in between, you know, kind of the more upper class versus working class as well, so want of better Mm. phrasing. Yeah. At the moment, obviously, you're canvassing. You're out campaigning. Yeah. What are you finding, then? from those polar opposites almost are you finding there's a desire for change on one side and another side of saying like now we're happy as things are if it's the case that the wealth isn't being Mm. distributed fairly yeah are the affluent side kind of are you finding a little bit more resistance on that side compared to the working class areas well i
2: think it's hard to put label i don't like putting labels on people Mm. anyway and even whether working class or upper class or thing you know and I'm not naive, I do, because, you know, I do recognise that some form of class war is ongoing, you know, that way. And that people that are, there's a reason why the rich have got richer over the past eight years and, and poor people are not no longer living, they're just surviving. But the definition or what, even your perception of someone that is affluent or wealthy, I think is changing. Because some of that affluent or wealth never was real to begin with. It was, could have been built on credit or it might have been just, a, you know, a, a family home that they inherited. That they can no longer afford to heat, you know. So when you walk up a doorway and you're going to canvass someone, you try and do it without any preconceptions because you don't know who you're going to meet. And just because someone lives in Westminster Lawns or someone lives in uh, Locklands and Woods or someone li- you know mm. somewhere where you might think there's a should be a large disparity, it mightn't always be the case. Um, I think there's an appetite to change. Among a high percentage, a high majority of the population, but just have been so failed by politics and by the mainstream parties in the past that they've almost been turned off politics, and rightly so. I was for many years turned off politics because I just felt, what's 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 the difference? Uh, what are they offering? What are they saying? Are they they're not even speaking to me? And how can these speak? People speak for me if they're not speaking to me. Um,
0: you um, when you came home from the travels and you said to yourself, Roy. Someone said to yeah, you, why don't you do it? Why mm. don't you run for council? And you got into the council.
2: What was... Well, someone, just, just on that, someone didn't actually say, would you run for council? Um, someone was just saying, well, why don't you join... In you? The poly- yeah, why don't oh, you sorry, get involved? Yeah, why okay. did you
0: get involved in Sinn Féin? So then, um, okay, you got involved in Sinn Féin, then you decided to run for the council. Yeah. You got in. Yeah. With a brilliant result. Um, what Did you have any perceptions of what was going to happen in the council or anything like that do you like i mean i suppose what is the council like and what, yeah what, what, what object
2: like yeah well it was a big eye-opener in a way and you know, a very sh- uh, sharp or steep learning curve for myself you know in the f- in the first few weeks and months and um, because i was saying there was no Sinn Féin person ever elected so i wasn't going in where there was an o- another person that had done a term or two terms that could you know kind of show me the ropes or teach me and tell me well you know you need to do things this way or you know it's best if you you work on your motions or your objectives you know that kind of thing because the three of us myself Sarkin McCormick and Chris Curran there were two other Sinn Féin councillors that were elected on the other side of the county for Glen Cullen and Dundrum and they're all new as well and so we did have to learn you know very quickly but I was appointed as the group leader for Sinn Féin so I uh, you know, took part in all the negotiations that took place after the count. And that was something that I didn't even know happened, you know, until I was elected. So you'd meet with the other group leaders, you know, say from people for profit, the independents or the Green Party. And, you know, you're trying to form an alliance because being a one out of 40 you're not going to get anything done. It's
0: literally local government. It's like local doll. Yeah, in the council, and you're
2: trying to form an alliances. And we actually did, in, in in some degree, form an alliance. You know, or a very loose alliance, uh, just to try and wrestle power from the main established, what I feel right wing conservative parties in Fianna Gael and Fianna Fail. Uh, but unfortunately, we had the Green Party for on that deal and. Side with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fail, and that's why you now have Fianna Fail and Fianna Gael and the Green Party as the ruling alliance within the local Dunlera, at Down County Dunlera. Council. Uh, yeah. Um, but I had the wool, and I've no, I don't, I don't mind admitting it. I'm sure I've had the wool pulled over my eyes a few times in the first few months, but we were soon quick to catch them out, and you know, reading up on the rules, reading up on the processes, reading up on the legislation, uh, and a pure example of that would be. Uh, the election of the chairpersons for the strategic policy committees within Dunleary, and the process that was carried out was uh, was was illegal in, in my mind uh, that the council carried out in the first place. So myself and the Labour uh, Labour group leader and uh, Michael Mer- Councillor Michael Merrigan from Dunleary, an independent councillor, uh, petitioned, lobbied the minister, and in the end were threatening legal action against the council and forced them to do the election again. And that, in doing so, we we allowed a greater spread and a greater representation across the chairpersons, and Sinn Fein, the people for profit, and the independents. One of the independents came together, so we could have enough people to get a chair, and that's how I'm now chair of the uh, planning strategic policy committee.
0: So this yeah. all happened kind of just straight off.
2: Yeah. Your first kind of. Yeah, within the first kind of week or two of getting a thing. Um, the old caller, the, like the, you know the old corollary within Shumfeng just appointed me as group group leader and uh, I just had to go and take part in these negotiations, negotiations
1: yeah. so so obviously then at council level um, you're heavily involved and obviously that's shown there as well by the fact that you are trusted into this position yeah but Dunleary is I suppose a town that at the moment people have an opinion that it's maybe a little bit on the slow side things aren't mm. going well for her. i mean yeah just the other week i was down getting my hair cut with jim the barber on Patrick Street. who yeah, i'm sure everybody I know, I knows know jim well, yeah, yeah you know and anytime i'm down there the usual barber said, if you want to know something talk to a barber that's yeah. what i always said. you want to know what's going on you know so that's uh, how, how's the town jim that's ah, nothing happening no, no far. no nothing you yeah. know he's talking about dundrum he's saying has, has killed Dunleary. he's mm-hmm. He's concerned about parking rates. He's concerned about rates for mm-hmm. you know shop owners and for yeah. himself. He has a, he has a obviously a street facing unit. Yeah, you know there's empty units in the shopping centre. So as a councillor, kind of what have you done or what are you working well, on what to I, try and? So
2: it's what have I even tried to do? I suppose yeah, would yeah. be a start. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm supposed to recognise the fact fact that it is in my local ward that I was elected to represent. You know, in the last election, but that doesn't mean. I don't try and represent the people at Dunleary just as well yeah. as you try and represent the people like when, you shank were,
0: when you were just, that's a brilliant question Danny's out there asking but when you were when you were campaigning to get in yeah. were the local businesses saying well look my rent is this amount if I hmm. if it's not lowered in the council I'm gone don't draw a hmm. soaking me dry well you. you
2: see you have your things called rents are decided by your landlord yeah. Sinn Féin have tried to tackle that over the last course of the last government in terms of the upwards the only rent and to actually make that you know to make that illegal and to, you know, that practice out of order. But we've been told by the government that they, they don't have the power to do that. But they do. It's a stroke of a pen and they can do it. But in terms of rates, and rates is what I suppose the councillors get to decide once every year at the annual budget, the council strikes the rate so you can decide whether you want to increase it by 1%, 10%, decrease them by whatever it might be. And 1% of rates equates to about 800,000 income income. So the council gets, you know, income from rates. How the council is funded is nowadays is by the local property tax, mm-hmm. rate payers, and then by some central government grants and, and some other form of income that the council uh, generates. So in terms of helping businesses, uh, you know, you can cut rates, but to cut rates you have to find money from elsewhere. And, to, you know, in many cases that would... In the way government or local government is currently funded it would only mean increasing the local property tax but we've seen some mad stuff happen. I've, well we've seen some really crazy stuff happen in the last year like there was a bailout that no one even heard about you know I put out a lot of press on it because I thought it was disgraceful and that the local council lost about 800,000 from its budgets mm. because of a rates decision that a national valuations office took that meant that telecommunication and uh, utility companies uh, such as Vodafone and Bordgosh and everyone, had their rate values decreased nationally 40%. Whereas local businesses and small SMEs throughout Dunleary, mm. people like Jim the Barber who are struggling to pay their bills, aren't going to see any rates decrease. And actually in Dunleary, People operating in Dunleary have seen an increase in their contribution or the cost of doing business because there's now a new company or service running in Dunleary called the Business Improvement District. Which, you know, I must say I wasn't a councillor, I didn't vote on it in the last term, but it's kind of shown itself to be slightly undemocratic because even though everyone has a 2.5% levy put on top of their rates that they have to pay into. And the idea was that it would create a fund that would be used exclusively for improving doing business in Dunleary. A lot of people now that have paid that money or haven't paid that money don't feel like that company is doing it. And Mm. it's kind of outsourced what the council's responsibility is to people, responsibility to people like businesses like Jim Barber's or others in Dunleary. So, uh
1: Again, I know I'm conscious of the fact that I, I harked again Dun because I suppose the constituency of Dunleary but yeah. as you said, you're the councillor for Cloning yeah. that. But I mean I suppose the, the, the wider point that I'm trying to get at is that if Dunleary was seen as the hub mm. of economic activity in this area mm. so far, the border essentially, the smaller areas are gonna feel a knock on effect too. So mm. the guys like for example, you know, Cafe Solo, for example, in in Sean uh Cloney, Shop Centre. You know, there's, there's a, what is it? Euros Bar, it tra- it like, closed
2: down in Shankill, hadn't that's it? Right. Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: There, there's a pharmacy. There's, you know, yeah. a, a local butcher's. There's all these little small kind of, yeah. again, local run, family business, self-employed people. Mm. What, if if it's a case that you, you do get in, in this election, yeah. what
2: are well, you... What proposing? would you do
1: to help them? The self-employed yeah. in particular, because Kay. that's
2: ultimately, the small business is what drives little yeah. communities like 100%. this. 100%. It's not just even little communities like this. It's what drives <coughs> Ireland. The yep. majority of people in this country are employed by SMEs. They're not employed by multinationals and corporations. The majority of people are employed by small, medium enterprises throughout, throughout Ireland and here in Donegal. In terms of the self, self-employed specifically, what Sinn Féin is offering in their manifesto and for this general election is a new tax credit of €500 Euro, uh, and also a move towards you know, tax uh, equalisation and pay equalisation that their credits mean the same. So a person, whether self-employed or a PAYE worker, pays a similar rate of contribution towards the state and in, in, at the end of the day, if they need it, have the same level of supports as a PAYE worker. Um, but one of the reasons why towns like Dunleary and our local domestic economy are struggling is because this government and the last government keep on putting their hand into our pockets and taking money in an unfair manner. It's stuff like the property tax. We've got the highest... Average property tax Anywhere in the country 633 euro
0: So if they're going to abolish that we, Yeah exactly How how are they going to th- There's obviously Money gained from the property tax Yeah So how are we going to Recoup that money How
2: are we going to recoup it? Well one way we'll recoup it Is by bringing in A, a third rate of tax uh, On earnings over 100,000 So we're asking anyone On their earnings Over 100,000 To pay an extra 7 cent On every euro Over 100,000 Which would Offset the cost of abolishing the property tax you know in some way so um, and it's
1: an, sorry, just to cut across for a second apologies uh, an extra seven cent on top of i'm not sure what the higher rate of tax is well just
2: say if you're earning between over two and a half three thousand a week yeah we're asking you to pay an extra between 30 and 40 euro a week because okay. we believe that's fair we don't believe the property tax is fair it's not based on your ability to earn and back to the kind of point of people that may have been living houses that are worth a lot of money now but only bought them for you know a fraction at a price or inherited or it's just a family home it's not an asset to them and why are they being charged for it they're not be getting a better service from the council in fact the property tax which is raising 50 million for this council each year and i have voted against uh, voted to reduce it by 15 percent mm. in this area just to because that's something i promised that i would do in the local so i've kept my word yeah but i think like the property tax in this area it's Although we're getting £50 million every year, we're only seeing an increase in our budget of £2.5 million because other grants that the government used to give us have been replaced. So they've stopped giving us grants for, you know, in terms of housing or tra- you know, transportation, and the property tax has just replaced it.
1: This might seem like almost too simple a question or a naive question, but if what Sinn Féin are proposing is the best solution, why hasn't it been done before? Why aren't the other parties saying... Yep, it works.
2: We'll take that. Thanks very much. Because it kind of comes back to who do you represent and who are you protecting? And you know, not just in fame, but you know, economic independent economic advisory uh, groups have said that the last two budgets, you know, have disproportionately uh, affected the less well off. And mm. um, look at the last budget, where there was the first chance for the government to give back any sort of money, maybe to carers or you know. Re- uh, reinstate the carer's respite grant or different things like that some of the really harsh cuts that they've made lone parents you know reverse something like that or even abolish the property tax or water charges because of the opposition and people that have taken to the street and they, you know do something positive what do they do cut the top rate of tax for high earners by 1% you know that's the mm-hmm. trend of their recovery they're the people in my eyes who finnegale represent and that's who they're protecting and so the reason they wouldn't remove an unfair tax is because then they couldn't cut the top-rate of tax.
0: Then you're alienating the people that are on 100,000 euro above because they don't want to pay any more tax. Yeah, and that could be true. Ha- have you confronted anybody on the doorsteps? In th- has I have. Asked you that? I
2: have. I met a man there. I was canvassing, was that on Saturday, who said, oh, well, actually, I'm one of those person that's paying a lot of tax. And I said to him, well, yeah, we are looking to increase your, your top-rate of tax by 7 cents but we'll be abolishing the property tax they you pay in your house. We'll be abolishing the water charges you pay in your house. We'll be investing 3.3 billion into a healthcare system that will mean that you don't have to have private medical insurance. And at the end of the day, would you prefer to have 50 euro in your pocket or an ambulance when you need one for you or your family or your mother? You know. And he actually kind of said to me, you know what? I've always been scared of Sinn Féin. I've always been scared that you're a high-tax party. But when I'm talking to a rep and you're talking to me about the type of taxation you want and the type of society you want, I understand that you're a fair taxation. Now do will I get a number one vote off that man? I don't know. But I definitely left at his garden and his house with it, you know, with him that I feel he had a different opinion of what we are offering. We're not trying to chase people out of the, the country. You need wealth creators. They drive employment, they drive investment, you know, do a lot of good works in terms of Donations and grants to community organisations and phil- philanthropy, but at the same time, we're just asking those that can afford to pay a little more to do so.
1: Well, okay, so the the seven cent increase per euro earned over a hundred thousand. Is that going to cover the shortfall of both property and... Because you're you're proposing to abolish the water charges also. Mm. So uh, how much... What's the offset? Like, how much is... Well, we're
2: also looking to make savings, you know, on certain things. And that's okay. where a lot, a lot of things... You know, a lot of... I suppose there is a lot of public waste, you know. And there's things we'd like to see abolished that we feel are a waste of money. It's such um, as? Such as... Um, I think there's a lot of government bodies that could be join, joined together. There mm. could be a lot more joined up thinking. There's a lot of, you know, quangos as quangos yeah. such that were promised to be abolished that weren't. Um, another thing I think is politicians' pay. Uh, okay. I believe that politicians are paid too much. And we in Sinn Féin, if elected, would reduce politicians' pay by 40% in the first 100 days. Um, in the first, the first 100, 100 days? In the first 100 that,
1: days. That's, no, that's, that's a big, big statement and
2: big four, 40% is a 40, big 40% is what we are promising people and that would include your own wage that would include my own wage um, I believe politicians if they live more within the realms of reality and what, sh- what people get paid might mm. be a bit more caring and a bit more uh, recognise the effects of the decisions and the policies that they bring in Anytime
0: so, I sit down with conversations with family, friends, whatever in relation to uh, politicians pay yeah the biggest gripe everyone has, the common gripe that everyone has, is ministers' pensions. 100%. You might, have, you
2: might have seen that thing on, on RT Investigations there, I, well, I've seen it on social media today, but I think it was about 63 million that's been paid out of the public purse, our money, that's been paid to politicians in terms of pension payments. You know, how was that like? Uh, since 2011 you know uh,
0: is that just the, is that just the you know the perks of the of the job of being a politician a minister that look i don't I don't care how I have this pension to fall back on or
2: well it's the political class that the, and the political elites that have been created in this country that make laws that suit themselves so like w- any public representative should not or any td or whatever they shouldn't get a pension until they're of pension age. You shouldn't get a pension until you're, you know, 65 or 66. Yeah. Um, whereas these people are getting pensions, and they're not just getting one pension. In some cases, you have them getting a pension for being a TD, a pension for being a minister, a pension yeah. for you know, being a teacher. It's all wrong. And it's what leads to the the public distrust in politicians and the public kind of apathy towards politics and the general disgust that's just out there uh, towards so, politics in general.
1: So that, that, that raises a fair point because... Uh, I know. Obviously, when the election gets called, it's 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 on every radio station, it's on every television station, it's in every newspaper. You can't avoid it. It's on What's the Story podcast. It's <laughs> on What's the Story podcast. It's on it's on Twitter hashtag WTS Pod hashtag Ge Sixteen. You know, but like the the thing that people are saying the most is they're disillusioned. Yeah, they felt as though Labor and Fine Gael would give them change. Mm. Some people are feeling that change. Other people maybe aren't feeling that change if people were to vote for you, if people were to vote for Sinn Féin on a wider basis, nationwide, yeah. why should they believe that it's going to be any different?
2: Well, I think, and that's that's, a great, that's actually a really good question, how could it be any de- different? I suppose, well, one, we've never had a chance in government, in, in, the, in the South anyway. Mm-hmm. We've, we've never been in government. So we've never had a chance to, one, let people down, but we've never had a chance to prove our policies can work that our politics can work but I think you know even for a short time that we have been in government in the north and it's a very different type of government because it's yes it's a forced coalition but even look at uh, the last three ministers for education in in the north of uh, in the six counties um and they've all been Sinn Féin ministers and they've gone and, you know, changed the edu- completely transformed the education system in the North, where well, they were one of the lowest across the OECD in terms of literacy and numeracy, where they're now actually fourth in the OECD.
1: Well, they're, they're, they've also cut back on a number of schools, and there's been schools
2: closed, has there not? There has been, yeah. There has been. But in, in some cases, there's been a lot of schools opened as well. You know, there's been a relocation of schools, but there's been massive investment in education in the North. But the North is... In some ways, a quasi-functional state. Mm. It doesn't have the powers that it's needed, and it's definitely not, in my eyes, the solution. I'm a Republican. I want to see United Ireland. I want to see a referendum, and I want. I believe that you know, unity is the gift of you, Danny, and you, Graeme, and everyone within the 32 counties of Ireland. will only have unity when people decide it. But I would like to see us have a vote on on that issue.
0: Has the, has, it, has that be, has that come up on the doorsteps?
2: Comes up in, um, among some people, but it uh, comes up in a you know, just in a qu- in a kind of question format. Well, what are you doing towards working towards United Ireland? Or, but
0: does it come up in a, in a sense where someone will say, Look, forget about that, let's talk about you know, local issues, Let, let's forget about United Ireland for now? Yeah, like yeah. do you think that's uh, that that could be a stumbling block?
2: No, because it kind of it, it, it ca- get, no, because no, you have to be upfront with people, and you couldn't. You know, that's who we are. You know, that's what Sinn Fein's been about long, long before my time. Since I suppose we're entering the centenary year of 1916, it was about a real republic where we had rights, we weren't subjects, um, and where we were united, you know, regardless of our differences. From when I, you know, when you hear the North East and North E and they're talking about loud, and you know, I just close my eyes and say, oh, I wish they were talking about Antrim, you know, because we should, I believe, one island one people, and that regardless of your religious beliefs, or regardless even if you have your British identity, that should be respected too. But we should be able to do it on one island. We should have one health service, one police force, you know, just joined up thinking that benefits us all. So,
1: Is it a case then, and and obviously I I appreciate the fact you mentioned a referendum there, because I think that would be obviously the the solution, and if there's a vote, and if it was a case that it was to go in favour of remain in partition, North yeah. Ireland remain in Irredenta. Sinn Féin obviously didn't, as you said, since 1916 and onwards, the, the whole thing has been about a united Ireland. But if the popular vote goes to a case where they say, no, we're, we're in favour of partition, where does that leave Sinn Féin then? Because their their biggest selling point to a lot of people has been a want mm-hmm. to unite North and South. Yeah. So where does that leave Sinn Féin if it was to go the other way?
2: Um, You know what, I'd like to see that referendum first. And I wouldn't like to pre-guess that referendum. I think, you know what, let's, let's, let's achieve even holding that referendum and then see what happens. Look at what's happened in Scotland, you know, in the past, recent times. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, that was really incredible for someone who wants to remove partition on this side of the island, just watching, you know, another country, you know, trying to attain their full independence. Um, that failed. the SNP didn't fall into the sea they didn't pack up and go home they went out and won nearly every seat in the next election and they increased their mandate and I'm sure they'll try you know at some stage not in the next term but at some stage to hold another referendum because in many ways you know referendum can be won or lost on fact and fiction and it's not always the truth and the right result that wins out but let's get to that referendum and, and see what happens I think it's It'd be very fitting if within the hundreds, you know, year of the centenary, if we could even say, well, this is the time frame when we're going to have such a referendum, and it shouldn't be down to the British Secretary Say Theresa the Villiers, to allow for that referendum to be called. It should be, you know, the government of Ireland, the government of North and South, yeah. that decide that, and it will be the people then decide that if we remove partition.
0: We briefly, you briefly mentioned, you know, one health service, one police service, one one Garda service. Yeah. Um, it's been in the news there a lot since the the gangland shootings over the weekend. Yeah, that Sinn Féin want to abolish the special criminal court. Yeah. yeah, just give people an idea of why Sinn Féin want to abolish that.
2: Well, I suppose, in, in and and
0: everything everyone else, in Dollaran yeah, yeah. think that's ludicrous.
2: Well, see, for well, just on, on that point, on everyone in Dáil thinking it's ludicrous. Labour voted to extend the powers of the special criminal court in two thousand and nine before they were in government. So they're just saying something different now, and we've had a long-standing view since actually our uh, election manifesto back in two thousand and two, calling for an end of the special criminal court.
0: So just, I just want to make people know: special criminal court is a non-jury.
2: It's a no, non-jury trial trial, um, and we kind of, you know, one it's kind of the sacred principle that you know you should be judged by a you know a jury of your peers um also that you're you're guilty until you're proven innocent even and I'm not you know saying that about anything about that specific event in the in yeah, the regency yeah, yeah. hotel but that you're you're judged by a, a you know by a jury of your peers that's a sacred principle of law and that's you know one of the reasons why we we believe that the special criminal court should be abolished it's secondly does you know that the protection of jurors and witnesses has to be paramount to any you know criminal process and we just believe that there are methods available you know they happen in other parts of the world where you could protect jurors in a way you know you could have them in a different location they could be video linked in it could be behind the screen you know <coughs> anonymous juries. there are ways available and we're not alone in calling for it you know people are trying to say that you know Sinn Féin are, are crazy for doing this the UN have, have raised concerns about the Special Criminal Court. The Irish Council of Civil, Civil Liberties. Mary Robinson, our ex-president, has you know expressed fears. We live in a democracy, or we in some ways live in a democracy, and I think we should have the innovation and imagination to protect jurors, protect witnesses, but also give that person who is standing in trial a trial and to be judged by a, you know, a jury of his peers. That's, that's simply put, you know, um, but then on the flip side of that and the ones that have tried to use it as a, a political football or an issue to attack Shane, Sinn Féin on, we need to re- have a proper, guard, guard, you know, police force, you know, that are properly resourced, they're properly equipped, equipped, and that's why in this election Sinn Féin is calling for 93 million to be invested in, in Garda Síochána and to invest, you know, hire 3,000 new Guardi to replace those that have been lost. Like in Dunleary alone, we've lost 90 guards. 90 guards over the last five years. Two stations have been closed. Uh, one station's been made part-time. Right across the state, 139 stations have been closed. And it only saved this government €556,000. That works out at 4000 per station. And what's been the cost there? Security. Like in my area... Well, in Dunleary, here in our area, burglaries are up 33%. I'm sure you know yourself, you hear mm-hmm. about a burglary yeah. nearly every second night. And there's not enough police, you know, patrolling the streets. Community policing has been completely hollowed out. So for anyone that has stood over these cuts and, you know, done these cuts to be saying, you know, shaking the finger at Sinn Féin and saying we're weak on crime, we're not. But we just believe that people should be... that. The criminal process and you know the justice process can be done in a fair manner. That we can have a bit of imagination and you know to in te- protect jurors, protect witnesses, make sure that trials that you know don't fall apart. But at the same time, we need to invest in to and guard do, the shikana.
1: Do you think there's an element of that? Uh, it, it might sound harsh, but distrust among some members of the public towards Sinn Fein because their past. Well, I'm not saying it's intertwined, but it's certainly mm. ran parallel with you know obviously troubles in the north and there's obviously links there to you know members of Sinn Féin having connections to the IRA at a time when there was troubles and even most recently you know you've got uh the 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 situation with Maria Cahill and 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 your leader Gerry Adams and things like that There there's always almost this this darker narrative and while I'm not saying any of it is true but mm. obviously when there are things like that circulating People are going to ask questions. Do you think there's an element of a distrust there because of that? And maybe that's why people are saying those kind of things about Sinn <laughs> Féin being a little bit regressive with those.
2: No, I don't think so. I think people have just tried to latch in the spe- in, in relation to the special criminal court. I think the government, like, in the last four days, they were caught out on their economics. They were caught out by, they were trying to, you know, pretend that there was an extra two and a half billion uh, the, available to them in the general election. Just the fiscal space. In the fiscal space. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and Labour. And they were all cut out line. And, you know, we really caught them on the hot because that's something they're supposed to be strong on. Yeah, really. L- Law and order is another thing that's are supposed to be strong on. And the Regency attack... But it happened in a couple of metres away from a station that was closed when, a, you know, there was no it present, even though apparently there was, you know, tip-offs that there was going to be high-level criminals there. There was no surveillance. Well, there was There'd journalists be, and members of the media there. Exactly. Because was crime journalists. Even, yeah, yeah. They were aware yeah. something was going to happen. Yeah.
1: And obviously, what happened was probably far beyond any tragedy anybody could think of. Yeah. But if, as, as you rightfully saw pointing out that if journalists are going to be there because they're tipped off. Yeah. So you He's just a, think it's...
2: it's. it's, I, 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 it's think cover, like I think it's to, the dirty politics, unfortunately, and the kind of politics that have been going on too long in this country that instead of dealing with the issue, you're trying to deflect and blame on someone else.
1: So almost to shift pace here, and sorry because I know we're conscious of the fact we only have you for a certain amount of time yeah. because obviously you've got a full campaign to be worrying about <laughs> and that kind of thing. You mentioned one of the things that, that you and Sinn Féin would do in the first 100 days would be to reduce... Uh, politicians pay by 40% mm-hmm. in the doll. What else would they do? And the, fir- the first 100 days being the thing that everybody reaches for, that's always yeah. w- what else are Sinn Féin proposing they would do off the bat, straight away, immediately?
2: Well, first we have to get into, a, we have to get into government, mm-hmm. right? So we need to elect TDs in Donegal, in Donegal. Hopefully we'll get three in Donegal, but we need to get t- as many TDs as possible. We're running 50 candidates. But there's also 97 candidates that have signed up to the right to change. So there's 50 of ours and 47 other candidates that have signed up to the right to change so principles. So it's
1: the, the transferable vote pact almost, isn't it? In, in, in some
2: ways. It's people that have pledged in, you know, in writing their support to a set of principles. It's called the right to change charter pr- okay. principles. And it's how we could create a fairer Ireland so locally, it's Sinn Féin and People for Profit. It's some other smaller parties, independents. It's come from a conversation which has been happening over the last year, year and a half, between political parties, trade unions, community groups, and progressive groups of how do we get a government that is left-wing and left-leaning, left-wing in its ideology, and that puts the needs of people first before the needs of multinationals and those and the wealth. Yeah. Um. So first, we need to get as many of them ninety seven elected. That's 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 the priority. But and one thing at the door, because there is a lot of people that have been let down by Labour, especially in this area. Um, they say, "Well, how are Sinn Féin not going to do a Labour? You know, why? How would we know that? Mm. At our last Ardesh, which is kind of it's a Sinn Féin AGM, happens once a year, and it's where all our policy is created. We're a, pretty much a bottoms up kind of party. We pass policy that Sinn Féin will not go into government. With Fine Gael, a Fine Gael or Fine led government. So we won't do a Labour. So uh, essentially
1: what they're saying is you won't be the junior party of a coalition government.
2: With Fine Gael or Fine
1: But realistically, is there another party that can win as many seats as Fine or Fine No.
2: So. We we want to create a government for the first time in the history of this state isn't led by Fine Gael or Fine So
1: categorically,
2: 100%,
1: Fine Gael and a Kenny comes knocking to Sinn Fein's door saying, Two of us, we get into bed and we're going to have the best-looking government baby we've ever had in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Sinn Féin are going to say, sorry, mm. Ender, we're not doing it. No,
2: because we cannot deliver a fair Ireland with either of those two parties. We cannot, what's in our manifesto, we cannot deliver. And if we can't deliver what we're putting in our literature, what I'm saying to you now, what we're putting across, in, you know, the message we're putting into every door across Ireland, well, then we won't go into government. We'll stick with our principles, we'll build our movement and we will be the next, you know, Sinn Féin in government is inevitable. Whether it's this time or the next time or the time after that, it's inevitable because people slowly will understand that we deserve better and that we can have better. But I hope it's this time because I don't want to wait any longer, but I will not go into government for the sake of it. We'll go in when we can deliver what we're promising.
0: So, what do you say to um, f- f- uh, the government at the moment? I've, I've seen a couple of t- um, government ministers saying. I see. Say, I particularly seeing um, John Bruton saying Borton. Borton. John Burton, and uh,
2: Richard Bruton. Yeah, that catches people out all the time, man. I tell you, say, I tell you're say. about to say
1: brutal. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I seen um, John <laughs> the tarnished <day> it <laughs> on um, six one. Yeah. And she made a statement saying, "Now, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the bank, but it's a big bank that loans to Ireland." That the bank spokesperson said it'd be a bad idea for Ireland to elect faint. What like what? Do you what's believe the reaction what, to
2: that? Do you believe what Joan has, you know says? I yeah, I I don't. You it's know. just scaremongering, then. Of course it is. Mm. Of course it is. I think even if you look at their Sinn Fein's reputation nationally, or internationally, you know, has a really good reputation internationally. People understand the role and the commitment of people like Gerry Adams and Martin McGuinness to the peace process. Um, a lot of people, there's a lot of support for Sinn Féin, you know, in the US, in Canada, in Australia, um, because they recognise and understand what we're trying to do. There'll be,
1: there be large expat communities in those yeah, areas, yeah, though. Yeah, and, yeah,
2: yeah, in- indeed. And
1: they, won't, they won't see us... Co-
0: they won't see
2: us I uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> great, no, great no, point, Graham. Yeah, great. Like, no, it, it they li- won't
0: see us g- go without a few bob. Like no, like, it, is that what you're saying? No,
2: I don't. know, it's not even in that. I don't. I think it's something that's just it's a it's a really lazy narrative that okay. is that is put out there by our opponents to try and scare people that the likes of Dell or other companies that if Sinn Fein are elected will just pack up and leave. Cause that's just nonsense.
1: Well, it, it, it'd be unsubstantiated, um, i imagine. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I've never seen on record Dell coming out and saying something. like No, of.
2: no, and I, I don't believe that. Like, yeah. I just think it's nonsense. So, Dell,
1: Google, Facebook, all these guys that apparently
2: well, just just on the I suppose the you know even the Googles and all because mm-hmm. there has been a lot of talk about or you know and money money owed and Apple and different things like that and corporation tax. What we're saying is. And it's in our manifesto: is we wouldn't increase corporation tax. We would just like to see corporation tax enforced. Twelve and a half percent is a very competitive corporation tax compared to other other European countries. We'd like to, you know, just see that enforced because, unfortunately, the the corporation tax of twelve and a half percent and what is paid by many companies in their effective rate doesn't even come close. And we feel that, you know, and we're not the only ones to feel that The EU. I've been given out a lot lately about Ireland, you know, not collecting its taxes as it should do off these big corporations. In fact the Irish government have tried to be have, have tried to lobby on behalf of some of these corporations such as um Apple not to collect the taxes. So, you know, I just you no, know, it, it's like Danny said, it's unsubstantiated and I don't believe it would happen.
1: Is so. is it a case that it's a lot easier? to say these kind of almost populist things in opposition, but when the nitty-gritty comes down to it and when you're actually faced with policy and legislation and having to push tr- things through, I mean, we can all sit here and say, everybody better off if they voted for such and such, or you'd be better off if this happened. Yep. It, you know, like, again, it just seems to me that it, it seems very easy to say these things, but what can you do to convince us that this will definitely happen?
2: That what will definitely happen, though, just maybe all, just all,
1: all, all these things, that's so like... The, the, the election the f- promises. The election promises, exactly. Mm. The things that are within the manifesto, the yeah. things that are within the right to change. The first hundred days. Yes. All, all yeah. these things,
2: all these nuances, the, all these, these things that are set the, point. These things can only happen if Sinn Féin is the biggest party after this election. That we can definitively implement our manifesto and our policies if we're the biggest party in government. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, the Labour Party have shown that that's one thing I question. A lot of people say to me is what was the point of the Labour Party? Because they also had a manifesto before the last election. And if you flick through it and you flick through what they've achieved and what they haven't, very, very, very little of it has been done. And that's what feed into that scepticism. So you can only do, you can only deliver and you can only... If we were to also get elected in a coalition or, you know, with the likes of people for profit and others, we'd all have our our red line issues. We'd all have our things that we definitely want to do in the five years. You know, because there is only five years of a government. So you're going to say, okay, you might run out of time on some things. You're all going to have to agree on a program of government. But it's it's actually just starting, you know, Mm. in some cases. So then
0: in the ideal world, you... Sinn Féin comes out with the, at the general election as the majority party. You would look to People Before Profit and AAA to form a government? Well, I
2: think the AAA have come out and said that they won't come into government with Sinn Féin. I don't think the AAA has... Ruth Cobbinger did say that. Yeah. yeah Are um, they not aligned with People for Profit? Uh, yeah, and that's where even myself, I get a bit confused between the PBP and the uh, AAA and all that sort of thing because the PBP have signed up to the right to change, but the AAA haven't but the PPP and the AAA have come together for the purposes of this election, okay. but aren't one party. I, You know, I, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand how that would work out after you know in an election so who are you tem- looking
0: to then independence and the social democrats or would you go The
2: social democrats have not signed up to uh, the right to change principles Um so find independence Sinn Féin, independence people for profit and i would hope people for profit you know we campaign and work on a lot of issues locally together and i think nationally you know i think we we have a lot of similarities but we're very different parties and we have different tactics and sometimes ways of getting to those you know shared objectives but yeah if labor did if if labor hadn't
0: like kind of bombed the way they have done mm. in government
1: well that's that, that's a matter of opinion
0: matter of opinion yeah um
2: well, matter for the polls i think ma- yeah well. matter for the
0: polls <laughs> the, the the public decide um i suppose my question though is that if <laughs> let's say labor were the left like they're supposed to be before hmm.
2: they went on the, in, based on their founding principles based on their or
0: founder or? principles would then they be um considered a, a partner,
2: I, um, And see, I think that's where a lot of genuine Labour people are really disappointed. Like, even out campaigning today, I had two people that were former Labour Party members that have left because of that. You know, uh, I know a, a really good guy that's a long-term Labour activist. I think he was telling me he was nearly 50 years in the party would be next year. He left because they voted against Sinn Féin's neutrality bill. That was a long-standing commitment of the Labour Party was mm. to enhance neutrality and, you know, support. It was even actually in the Fine Gael Labour Programme for government, but when Sinn Féin put the f- bill forward uh, in the doll they voted against it. Yeah. So a lot of people within Labour have lost hope. A- alienated? But, uh, you know, feel alienated, feel let down, and they're now looking for someone else that they can, you know, in some ways you know, put their trust into I think the fact SIP two, which is the largest union uh, in 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 the in the state, is for the first time funding, you know, or helping support candidates that are SIP two members but aren't affiliated with the Labour Party. Yeah. Is a game, you know, a big game changer.
1: I suppose we're we're just about out of time as you yeah, Um sorry. so I suppose to, to tie it back in then we've we've looked at local, we've looked at national. Yeah. We'll focus back in on local a little bit more now. Yeah. Because was, obviously this has gone out a couple of days before people are able to vote yeah you mentioned yourself that you got elected you're the first Sinn Féin councillor it's been let's say a rocky road for Sinn Féin in this constituency I think this constituency was formed 1948 the 13th at all there's never been a Sinn Féin candidate yeah what well when I say candidate I mean elected sorry yeah yeah Yeah. elected rep thank you yeah um You just didn't run anybody in the 2011 Mm -hmm. general election. Yep. People say there's an appetite for change out there. Hmm. What will make the difference for you to get over the line and book that trend?
2: A few things. One, it's people changing their... Maybe the way they voted in the past. But secondly, I think it's the people that have become disenfranchised. It's the people that maybe don't use their vote. The people that have given up, you know, to stand up and fight for themselves, you know, to put their tra- fate in Sinn Féin and trust in me to fight for them. Um, you know, we only have turnouts of whatever it is, you know, 60%. So there's 40% of people not using their vote. You now, I know a lot of them people are being forced overseas and are no longer in the country to use it, but there's a lot of people that don't use their vote and let it go wasted. And I need them people to stand up, um, but I do need people to actually look objectively at the state of our country look at the crisis that exists in housing in our hospitals um, in our health you know in our health care and and in, in in most public services you know that are falling apart and think do we deserve better and are the government or their predecessors you know tweedledome or tweedledee are they ever going to deliver for us are they ever going to deliver what we deserve and that's the question i'm putting to people at the door and in many cases like i did at the locals I'm just asking people to give me one chance. They may never vote in vain again, but let's give us one chance and see what happens over the next five years. You know.
0: Just to, to stick with the local then, I just have one question in relation to the Oasis Project in Monkstown Farm, yeah. which is basically keeps kids, teenagers off the streets. Yeah. It's been gone for years and years. I talked to a couple of people this week that actually, when they were 16, 15, 16, that age, yeah. they were a part of the Oasis Project, the government that they cut that hmm. completely. Now, when at first I thought that was it was cut like by about thirty percent or forty percent, but yeah. it's it's gone.
2: Yeah, and I listen. I only know from people kind of telling me about the Oasis project. I know it runs it operates down in Monkstown, and a great facility, and it's kind of, that it benefits. That? Yeah, so yeah many oh, I know, and and the, and the, the knock area. and the knock on effects is you know of that are are very hard to calculate because you're helping people out of difficult situations, situations but you're also progressing people down a path or opening doors to people that may never have opportunities open to them and it's only gonna negatively affect them and our communities if we don't help and support and give them, you know, open the doors that are needed. But that what's happening in OASIS project I suppose is another another kind of example of this so called recovery. How is there a recovery when groups like that are still having their funding reco- group up where you live graham uh swan the southern women's action network action network you know they've had their budgets cut massively you know i think nearly 60 percent, and they're the only actual group that target and support and educate you know working class uh women you know in in working class areas and disadvantaged areas and they've had their funding cut is there any
0: way to get these cuts reverted it's particularly with the Oasis project, because that, like you say, Swan, I appreciate that, that that's been cut by 20, 30%. 60. 60. So it's still there in essence. Yeah, but the Oasis gone. The Oasis is project gone. is completely gone. That that to me just sounds absolutely outrageous. Yeah, it does seem wrong. And Th- that like the, the, the people, the kids look up to, their mentors mm. in that Oasis project can no longer help them anymore. So it's, is there any way that that can...
2: Well, I think even on a local level, should the council not be stepping in there? You know, when you look at what the funding that the council gives to certain things, you know, the, the capital budget was agreed there last Monday and the council decided, you know, and forward the thing that they were going to spend 500000 on a feasibility study to see if VMS signage would be helpful for private car parks in Dunleary. There's There's a half a million euro. How long would that fund uh, the Oasis project four hundred thousand given by the council or thereabouts to the harbour company to help prepare its planning application for a cruise ship Bert, how long would that keep the Oasis project going? There's money and like it kinda of comes back to the what we were talking about at the start, being the third affluent, the most affluent area in you know, in the whole of the country. If that wealth was shared better, groups like the Oasis would not be longer out of existence.
1: Shane, thanks very much for your time. To finish off, kinda of the last sales pitch I guess. Without mentioning the government parties or, <coughs> or, or saying anything yeah. negative about what they've done so yeah. far, why should people put number one beside your name or another Sinn, can- another Sinn Féin candidate's name come Poland
2: Day? I would ask people or encourage people to give me their number one vote, to vote for Sinn Féin in this upcoming election, to vote for a party that are going to put the interests of citizens first he's going to stand up for the interests of ireland in the european level and an international level he's going to invest in public services and not and and sole aim won't be just to cut taxes for the wealthy there's wants to redistribute wealth and share wealth in a fair manner right across this country and i want to do that in dunleary i know because i've lived here all my life in dunleary that it's not an affordable place to live it's a hard place to get a home, it's a hard place to rent, it's a hard place to decide to try and raise a family. So my number one priority for Dunleary is to make it a more affordable place to live for people like me, people like you Danny and people like Graham. It's just to make Dunleary a more affordable place to live and a place where we can actually have families, grow old and and, and enjoy the beautiful area that it is.
1: Well, that's fair enough. Listen saying we wish you all the best with the election um, and everything else afterwards. Um, look, if you do get in, we'll have to get you back on when, yeah. You're, yeah. when you've got a comfortable chair out in air and all that <laughs> kind of thing. You'll be out in your office. Yeah. yeah. But um. look, all the best to you. Um, we hope things go well on the doorsteps. No, listen,
2: thanks and appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure to join us here tonight. And thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, Shane. thanks very much,
1: Shane. All Take the rest. Thank you. So there you have it. You've listened to the respective candidates um, that we had on. As I said, we didn't get all of them on. But look, you have a better idea now of what way it's going to work for general election 2016 Graham you said in the intro that you've already got your mind made up you're going to go one and two yeah. RB Barra, RBB boy, Barra? and so, SOB SOB uh, Shane O'Brien, Shane Barra. O'Brien. Oh, I'm so used to Sean O'Brien from the rugby Yeah, that's happened to be there uh, I, I am undecided um, still at the time of recording maybe as I edit this and I listen back to the people maybe that'll and if that does happen, I'll clarify in a later episode. But for now, I think what I'm gonna have to do is I'm gonna have to go off and do some deep soul searching, and decide what I want to do.
0: The only thing I, I probably there's no social so uh, social democrats in this constituency. Um, there's not. No, no. No. I think I. I think based on. Uh, Stephen Donnelly's performance in one of the leaders' debates. Yeah, he don't care. I think quite I well. would have the Social Democrats in number three.
1: The only caveat I'd put on that, though, is somebody put up a very interesting statistic that okay. of all Dahl votes that happened in the, in the 31st stalls so the yeah. last. Uh, he wasn't there. He was only there for like 15% of them.
0: And did you hear what his answer was back? Not saying that I agreed with his answer, but his answer back was that um, that was in the last year. He said the last year of this kind of uh, yeah. run. him, himself, and the other Social Democrats candidates were trying to set up the party, which I don't think is a real excuse. I don't don't really buy it. But yeah, no, it is a shock. And if you're going to be a candidate, if you're going to be in the doll, go to all the votes.
1: Exactly. Like, look, to put it into perspective, if you or I didn't turn up for our job for 80% of the days we're supposed to be in, we'd be
0: fired. We'd be fired. what, what, What I found interesting with... Um, we put the question to the candidates, you know, the first 100 days, what would you do? Um, Sinn Féin would cut TD's salary by 40%. I thought that was interesting. Would they, though? Yeah, but see, you could say that for all of them.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. But that's exactly yeah, why I'm saying you it. Could, for I, any I, of them.
0: Based, based on what they're saying, I mean, I found that very interesting because they didn't know it was one of their yeah. policies. Um, but like you said, would they, though? But that's exactly how N. the Kenny went around... Um, the last general election with posters saying yeah. oh, I'm going to get rid of the trolley disaster oh, I know, yeah, yeah, five points and point it's got plan. worse yeah. it's actually got worse his five point plan did any of the points
1: come up? I think three of the five three it, did, the five it, now I'm not 100% on that I mean, I'm, I'm,
0: not I'm, 100% yeah. but if three of the five were up I mean it's not too bad but then it's it's still broken promises it's not five, promises, don't, it's it's not not five. Is, yeah, don't make five points if you don't well, think you're going to
1: do it all I would say to anybody is turn your your bullshit detector up a little bit have a think about it it's very I suppose it's easy to point out a problem but ask yourself have they offered a solution exactly it's very easy to show in opposition politics and it's very easy to say things that might sound populist and might sound great and might sound like that's what we need but Ask yourself, and more importantly, ask the candidate. If they haven't called your doorstep already, drop them an email. Yeah. Drop, drop them. Like Frank said, he's responded to 40 ex- emails a day. Exactly. Drop them a line on the Twitter. Drop them a line on the Facebook. Get in touch with them. If you have a concern about something that you want answered, or if you think there's a certain policy that you want to know where this candidate stands on that before you make up your mind on a vote, ask them. That's what they're there for. That Exactly. Like, they're answerable to you. Ultimately, it's your vote that employs these people. They're answerable to you. So ask them the question. And as well as that, like that Danny said about
0: the uh, the BS radar. Yeah. Um, block it out because... I'll just give you my experience with the Leaders Debate, the RTE one. Um, I was watching that and I had in my mind... This
1: is the one of Claiborne. The Claiborne one. very well. In which I
0: really enjoyed. I, TV3 one was horrific. There was a mm. couple of... Uh, there was couple of uh, good comedy lines from Jerry Adams. (laughs) But other than that, the four of them I thought were a disgrace. Yeah. And just shouting over each other and whatnot. But what I found interesting from my own uh, perspective, I was watching the leaders debate. I had in my mind, I texted you when I said my top three performers. Yeah. um, In order of, I thought Donnelly was number one. Yeah. I thought Boyd Barrett was number two Mm -hmm. and I thought Adams was number three. Yeah. And, And then RT did this spin-off called The Spin Room where it was representatives of the parties, the press officers and stuff like that. Yeah. Plus the media. Yeah. And when the presenter, um, God, I can't remember his name, the primetime guy, when he was asking people, you know, who do you think performed well, blah, blah, blah. It was the complete opposite to me.
1: (laughs) And I was thinking, were they watching the same debate? I think they're looking at it from a different angle, though. They're not looking at it from the angle of, I'm a voter. They're looking at it from the angle of performance-wise. So, Mm. for example, while... uh, The perfect example being Enda Kenny. Enda didn't do anything that would seem like a great leader in that debate. Enda didn't say anything that was outstanding in that debate. But he did very little wrong in that debate. he done very little that strayed away from what he would have been prepped on. he done very little that would have, you know... Given the Fine Gael press guys a headache, he done very little. It was damage control. Exactly. He done on very the, little to draw debates. heat on himself. Yeah. And that is a solid performance for Enda Kenny because traditionally he's not great in a debate setting. Mihal Martin is arguably one of the greatest debaters this country has or has ever had. But he didn't have a standout performance. He had a middle-of-the-road performance. He lost ground, I would say. I'd argue on it. Joan had a terrible performance.
0: Terrible. And I thought I, Enda as well. I ag- I agree with you, by the way, Yeah. in terms of the damage control. And, you know, he did probably what his advisors told him to do and he did a good job of it. Yeah. But he also showed, in my opinion, in the two debates, that he is completely out of touch with the people, in my opinion. Mm, I argument. thought, I just, because I, I'm basing it purely on when I listen to these leaders, I'm either nodding my head yeah. in a, in an in agreement or I'm kind of going, oh, my hand is in my head, yeah, and that's how I purely base it on instinct. you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I I would agree with you about ended that he did he did well in as far as probably what he was told to do. He did it well, mm. but at the same time, he's completely out of touch. And John Thatcher was
1: terrible. Sorry, John who? John Thatcher. Well, I'm not familiar with that person. John Burton. John. Bo- oh, okay. Yeah. John Burton Maggie. Uh, that's a bit harsh on her, I would say. Um, but I look for what it's I, d- worth, I don't
0: think it's harsh when they're supposed to be a social um,
1: ah come on party. Come on, look, Labour in this country have very rarely been proper left. They haven't had a left-left allegiance left in a long, long time. But that's what their whole
0: it is. Foundation but foundation well, is
1: yeah, no, and I agree with you. But Ireland has lacked, I would say, a hard. Lying left party for a long time they were supposed to be for the last and it's only in the last I would say maybe 15 years you've seen an emergence of populist left
0: but their ideas before the last general election were very left but they didn't get to do uh, it. Uh,
1: they didn't, because like all junior partners in a coalition yeah. government, <laughs> they they got bent over the table and told what's what. <laughs> yeah. You know, They'd like, be decimated, uh, I like feel. Re- remember, it's it's Labour's way or it's Frankfurt's way? Yeah. Remember this? Remember Gilmore for Taoiseach? Yeah. Remember all this? And yeah. then it got changed to Gilmore we'll, for Tornish to so we can keep them in line. We'll, That's what it was. We'll burn the bondholders. They didn't, they're shite. Um, look. I, anyway, we're, g- we're going on a, a, a yeah, what's I, a story I, tangent. Yeah, uh, I'll be open and honest about it. In the, the 2011 general election, I did vote Labour and Fianna Gael. Now, I can't see myself voting. I certainly won't vote Labour. I'm undecided. I'm rather going to vote, vote Fianna Gael. Um, yeah, I, just, I think Labour are going to face an uphill battle. I do think Joan and Alan Kelly, so both leader and deputy leader, are facing a really, really tough battle to retain those seats. And if it's the case that Labour... When you look at who Labour have lost, right, they've lost Eamon Gilmore, they've lost Rudy Quinn, they've lost Pat Rabbit. so They are three former leaders of that party and they're staring down the barrel of losing their deputy leader and leader. I mean, and Alex Boyd, who would be seen as probably, you know, in the upper echelons of that party, he's not exactly guaranteed a seat either. So, I mean, Labour are really facing It'll a be decimated Tough will. time,
0: like any junior party
1: that goes in. Yeah, you know. But look, that's just us. That's, that's just us. that's just us too That's just two, shooting the breeze. Two two opinions of two belly brack ruffians <laughs> shooting the breeze and having a crack. But look, lads, get out there and vote. That's the main thing. Exercise your democratic right. And remember, we're brought to you by Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel i love this place man it, fe- <laughs> it feels like home Just put the heating on there it was lovely lovely it is yeah yeah in the in the gym we used to freeze yeah. because it, it was, was big four layers big really old gym them. yeah we used to have to tell guests look it's practically a warehouse you're gonna have to dress up <laughs> do you know what in here we're offering them would you like to open the window <laughs> what, you want the heating turned up a little bit <laughs> it's amazing got some water exactly do you know where else is amazing in here what? the dungeon bar and grill it's a fantastic place, and what's even better about it is that during the month of February, if you yeah. book a party, you get free finger food for all your guests. What's well, not to like? Who doesn't like finger food? Love it. Get yourselves up here. The toy sweet chili sauce. All right, chapter twenty-two. All right, right, Clark. Uh, get yourselves up here, lads. Enjoy the rugby. Enjoy the football. Enjoy whatever. It's a great spot. It's only a couple of minutes from your doorstep. The views are outstanding. The staff are outstanding. Love it up here. But look. That's our political one done. We won't be talking politics for a long time now after after this, unless it's to do with Donald Trump. Only the reaction of the Yeah, we'll, we'll only do a short House, one. Housekeeping. Yeah, housekeeping. And uh, we'll obviously be keeping an eye on Donald Trump, because uh, it's hilarious. But thanks very much. Uh, we know it's a bit mad having kind of three episodes all at once, but, you know, has to be done. That's, it's uh, only once every five years. This kind of boat rolls around, folks. So enjoy and uh, we'll be back next week with normal service resumed. So until then, good night and God bless. Adios.